With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So tonight, what we're going to be talking about is called Under the Yoke. Tonight's teaching will be called Under the Yoke. Now, I know that you guys might have heard that before. And, you know, it's just funny how in many cases we try and um, put this in so many different places. Some people um, equate it to slavery. Some people talk about the yoke as things that they, you know, um, maybe thinking of cattle and all sorts of different things. But, you know, the Lord is showing me more and more how much under the yoke I even am, you know, as much as I preach and as much as I speak about the Lord and as much as I try to take things out of my life, the Lord shows me in many ways where I'm bound. Because you see, where we think of a yoke, we think of it being on our physical bodies. You know, we think of it being things that your hands and your feet are shackled. But it's so much more deceptive than it used to be, where at one point the Egyptians were slaves. I mean, they enslaved the children of Israel. But the devil got to the point where he didn't really have to do it that way anymore. As I talked about before, he's learned to give us a slavery that we would enjoy. So when you deal like that, then you find yourself, you know, um, now he puts his yoke over the heart. He puts his over the mind. He puts it over the things that we think we can't live without. And this is one of the tactics that he's using to attack the people of God is putting them under the yoke. And I remember looking at some scriptures and meditating on them and getting a real understanding of what it is. But I think when you set your heart and your mind to want to serve the Lord and you begin to do it on little levels, you know, you may do YouTube videos, you may speak to people at work, whomever you can or whatever you choose to do. But one of the most complicated issues that you can have is you realize you can only go but so far. And I think this is where as Christians, in many cases, we cap off and we all find ourselves in the same place looking at one another. And, you know, nobody thinks about the fact that, you know, you can draw closer to Jesus. We all look at maybe the most senior of the church members or those that have been in a long time. And you feel like, man, I need to just get to their level. They've been in it for years. You know, they call themselves Christian. They've been dedicated to the church for all this time. So therefore, as I grow as a Christian, I'm going to be like this particular individual. But man, when you really get in this thing and the Lord begins to show you things, I think one of the toughest things with being one of God's messengers or God showing you something early or like you would like to think prematurely is you might find yourself as one of the minority believing the truth and preaching it. And sometimes, you know, people will look at you like, man, you're crazy. I don't know where you come from this philosophy because Reverend such and such did it this way. And you're sitting there, yeah, but the word of God says or whatever. And they, man, I think your interpretation is way off. Okay. Because nobody deals that way today. That was the apostles. That were the prophets. 
But, you know, we got to really get to the place of understanding the yokes that are around us. So this is not a lesson tonight to tell people about what they're hooked to, but it's an, it's a put in place to make you think about what you can be possibly hooked to that we can, you know, seek the Lord for to try and be set free from. So that's what this is about tonight. This is about self-examination. This is about recognizing if we're really serious about winning souls, if we're really serious about going and storming the devil's kingdom to set captives free, we got to first look at the chains that are around our own necks, our own hearts, our own minds, even over our eyes. This yoke can have a grip over the way you see things. So, you know, it takes the Holy Ghost, the word of God, God's spirit to dig in deep, to set us free from the things that the devil tries to snare us with. Tonight's lesson again is called Under the Yoke. Now I want to um, read something I saw today. It's just a little quick quote, but I saw it this morning. I already had this lesson planned for about a week, but you know, something he said is so true, but I think this is a man that has come to the end of his rope where he's beginning to recognize I see this thing for what it is, you know? So look at what he says. I can't even see this guy's name, man. All right, there it is. Okay, his name is Robert Murray, uh, I don't know, Meshne or Maney or something like that. But it says, I see a man cannot be a faithful minister until he preaches Christ for Christ's sake, until he gives up striving to attract people to himself and seeks only to attract them to Christ. Lord, give me this. So that man recognized that he cannot be a minister for Christ or one of Christ's speakers unless he's doing it for Christ's sake. You know, my sister and I talked about this two nights ago, but she was saying, you know, what keeps a lot of people from winning souls to Jesus is we don't have that fervent desire burning in our hearts to actually do it. And when we do, it's like a system of routine. It's something where you hang have you accepted Jesus Christ. But when you ask people that question, how does it feel in your heart? You see what I'm saying? Because everybody knows what they should say to a Christian. But where's the passion? Are you really concerned whether or not they choose? Or are you just trying to do your Christian duty by speaking and you just saying, see, Lord, I told them. But you know, like any good sales pitch, and this is not a sales pitch, but you've got to believe in the product that you're selling. And people can tell whether or not you're passionate about it. Because if they say, no, I'm sorry, I don't believe in Jesus, I wanna go my own way. You can say to them like, well, why don't you wanna go that own way? And they look, man, I'm really upset. I don't wanna hear about this. And you know what, stay in there sometimes. If your passion is really there, I found myself doing that and I've also found myself walking away. But I realized that when you're really passionate, their answer that they give you is not good enough for you because you understand that if that person doesn't, you know, through, through Jesus Christ's grace get saved, then that person's going to hell. So, you know, you would have to ask them, but why do you believe this? And they say, well, you know, nobody in my family believes it. It's just foolishness or whatever. Yeah, but do you know that he died for your sins? Do you understand what this is about? You know, and, and I'm not telling people how to talk about it, but you all know what I'm saying. We've all shared the gospel with one person or another, but did we really have the passion burning in our hearts? I'm gonna show you today why it doesn't if, at times, in times it does. 
because you see the truth is a lot of us want to be seen. A lot of us want to draw people to us or to their ministry or whatever they got going on. But do you really want that person to know Jesus? And the other issue is you can't set someone free if you're bound yourself. And that's why tonight's teaching is going to be called Under the Yoke, because if your heart is chained up, guarantee you, you're going to preach a chained up heart message to someone else that's chained up. And that person is going to, you know, you're not going to persuade them. I'm not saying most people will receive the gospel anyway, but I am recognizing that when you're under the yoke, you can tell people forsake the world and give your life to Christ. But where will you be going tomorrow? What are you going to be doing later that day? You're going to go right back to Egypt, be under the yoke, do the things of that, that yoke people do. So what I'm saying, and this is all a part of growth tonight's teaching, this is where we get to the place of becoming set free. This is just an evaluation for us to understand what it truly means to be under the yoke. This is not criticizing anybody, but I will not apologize for anything I said, because if the Holy Ghost wants to convict us, who am I to say, no, I, I want to say it nicer than that. Hey, let the spirit of God work and do what he needs to do with each and every one of us. But hopefully so far, you guys understand what I'm saying about under the yoke. You know, there are things, there are rules, there are things that we are tied to under the yoke. There are things that we feel under the yoke. There are things that we will not do under the yoke. So this is what we're going to talk about tonight. So let's pray real quick. Let's get right into this lesson. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for another day. And we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, just thanking you, Lord, just thanking you for your goodness, thanking you for your faithfulness, Lord, that you have not treated your people as their sins deserve. So we just ask in Jesus' name that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time you've given me with my brothers and sisters that we get to be partakers of your word, that we may eat of the fruit, Lord, that you give unto your people, that that bread, our daily bread, may be a place of growth for us, may be a place of conviction, may be a place of understanding that we can mature in you, Lord, to be able to do the things that you want. So I just pray, Lord, that no man's heart be heard tonight. Lord, this is a way too important message. Lord, let no flesh be glorified tonight. This is not about intelligence. This is not about knowledge. This is about speaking from the heart of God that your people will see. So Lord, we just pray that you use me. Lord, we pray that you give us what we're gonna need and that Lord, that you may give us grace, that we may fulfill your, your heart's desire and make our hearts like yours. In Jesus' name, I pray that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention and confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, and all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief. We believe in Jesus' name that those bands will be broken from this very moment, that the eyes, the ears, and the hearts will be able to see, Lord, and that they may choose life and not death. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so let's get started. I want to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where the Lord had me meditating on as far as being under the yoke. We're going to get some understanding as to what this is because everything under the yoke is not considered not permitted, okay? There are places in our lives, in our lives, in our growth that God allows us to be under the yoke, okay? But then there also comes times too at some point in our walk where God wants to set us free. And we got to ask ourselves, do we want to be set free to trust in him and to, and to let him use us? Or do we want to stay bound to the place that we, you know, that we're in? You know, everyone that stayed in the wilderness, you know, they didn't make it. But let's just look at this. Let's begin in verse one. So Paul says to Timothy, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. So some people think when it says here servants under the yoke, they think that the Bible's concerning condoning slavery, and that's not true. He's talking about servants under the yoke. We're going to understand that this message is pointed solely on for us who are in the world who have not been set free. And there's only one thing that's going to set us free that we can recognize here, but they are servants. They are fellow brethren. They are Christians. Okay. They're servants of the Lord, but they are under the yoke. Why is he telling Timothy this? Because Timothy is a young minister that Paul was mentoring to eventually do the work that Paul did. Okay. So he says, and them that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. So we know that this is talking about the life where we're in the world doing what we need to do. At this time, people would have you know, um, hired people to work for them and they were like live-in maids and butlers they were people that if they owed a debt, they would work for you, you know, and you would keep them for like, you know, as long as they want to be kept, that they can get it together. But even in the Old Testament, they try and say that God condoned slavery and he didn't. It was like living maids and butlers that, you know, when they were with them, if that if that person that was working for you wanted to stay with you after six years of service to pay off a debt, you know, it couldn't go longer than six years. But that was to teach them about, you know, the Sabbath and other things, too. But the point is, is that they were if they wanted to stay and live with you, you had to take care of them. You could not kick them out. So, you see, keeping somebody under that would make it your responsibility to look after them. God doesn't condone slavery. The Bible here never says that we have slaves. It was all a part of a system of God teaching his people responsibility towards loving their neighbor to knowing what it is to pay off a debt and knowing what it is to be forgiven in Christ and have all that wiped away. You see, the law served its purpose as a type of bondage because it was meant to teach us that if you don't like to live this way, when you've got to earn and work and perform, then you're really gonna love the next covenant, which is Christ, that all things can be canceled in him. You see, because you could never work your way to salvation. But you see, that was a type of bondage because they couldn't draw close to God. The law was carved in granite. You could not go beyond it. There were no exceptions. However, the law was 
that was the way it is to be. But Jesus came with grace and truth that he may teach us how to be like him with, you know, ample time. All right, so I wanna make this point. So let's look up the word, the yoke, okay? Because a lot of people will look at yokes and they automatically think of slavery, but we're gonna find out that that's not the case, okay? This is more about God uh, conditioning his people. So this is the word yoke. The word is zugos, and this is G221A. It says a yoke, a yoke that is put on drunk cattle. Have you guys ever seen what a yoke looks like? You ever see where you got two uh, cattle together and they got that thing around their neck? You'll see it in the thumbnail if you haven't. But they got a thing around their neck like this. It's hooked to a wooden bar. And there, there might be other cattle there too, you know, that are in this yoke and they're being led to do what they're doing. So it says, this is B, metaphorically, used of any burden or bondage as that of slavery. This is one or of troublesome laws imposed on one, especially of the Mosaic law, hence the name is so transformed to the commands of Christ as to contrast them with the commands of the Pharisees, which were of, of veritable uh, yoke. Yet even Christ's commands must be submitted to, though easier to be kept, a balance, a pair of scales. So we understand here that Everything is yoked in one way or another. We must get to the place of understanding because I want people to look at this when you pay attention to what kind of laws there are, what kind of laws are being played out. You know, if you look at the laws that they have today concerning Christians, we get an understanding that, you know, laws themselves can also yoke us. Like, you know, one day that we're going to hear that you know, you're not gonna be able to preach the gospel freely. Now, I wanna ask you guys this, when this law gets put into play, you know, how is it gonna be for us? Are we gonna say, well, I guess that's the end of being a Christian. I guess that's the end of preaching the gospel. No, we're not gonna do that. If we're real Christians, we're gonna have to go beyond. But if it describes here a yoke as troublesome laws imposed on one, then you know that the devil means to bind you and I from following Jesus. So you see, there comes a point where we may look at the world as it is, and we're taught to obey the laws of the land. But then there comes a place that God's will and his law override everything. But you see, this is the time where we're going to figure out who we all are in Christ. It was good that we proclaimed to be Christians when we were, when the law allowed it. But now we're going to get to the place where the law won't allow it. So are we going to stay up under the yoke or are we going to follow Christ? Look at that. That's why I went to that point and that definition of what the word yoke means, because it's metaphorically anything that keeps you from doing the will of Christ is a yoke about your neck. And I'm going to prove that tonight. There are ways to do things. There are ways that God gives us time to go and take care of our families, make money, do the things that we need to do. But there is a place where that thing can become a yoke to us. And Paul is going to explain how. So this is 1 Timothy 6. Let's look at verse three. He says, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, oh, and to uh, the doctrine, which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, 
but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth. So we recognize that the way that Paul says that employers and employees should treat one another, if anyone teaches you outside of that, that if you're a boss, you don't need to treat your employer right, or if you're an employee that calls himself a Christian, you don't need to treat your boss right, He's saying that those people are proud in knowing nothing because we must understand that God's law goes into the workplace as well. It doesn't just stay far away from everything where, well, this is for church, but this is for the world. God's word supersedes even over into the workplace on how we ought to uh, conduct ourselves. So then it says that this person is destitute of truth and they become, uh, well, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth. He says, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. So a lot of people are even believing today that they're not even blessed if they don't have a lot of gain. This is a lie because gain is not godliness. Gain tends to, in many ways, take you away from the life of God, depending on where you are in your walk, because because you chase the elusive carrot only to find yourself in hard times starting over again. You're forgetting about one thing, that with Jesus Christ and his grace, he's given us these things. The Lord has been teaching me recently that it doesn't matter how many studies I do up here. It doesn't matter how many people I talk to and I do things out there in the world. What the Lord is also showing me is, Derek, you've got to give me time. You've got to spend time with me so I can bear my heart to you so that you can speak for me. It's not good enough that you just go and outwardly perform. I can say, well, the Lord is teaching me the Bible so I can get to him when I feel like it and just go and preach the word. But the Lord is showing me that if I live that way, I am giving up my first love. I'm forgetting about him and everything that he's doing because he's the source of what inspired me to do it. He called me to ministry. So I've got to continue to seek him. Mm -hmm. It's the same way in the world and whatever it is we do. I know at times we can be too busy. And when we come home, we're tired. And we got, you know, the wife and husband need something. Kids crying. The boss wants something in the morning. But we've got to lay out time for God because he keeps our hearts and our minds free. Okay, we must keep that relationship with him. So then he says in verse six, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So are we thankful to the Lord for the things that he does for us? Do we feel like, you know, man, Lord, I'm in a bad situation. I need more. You first got to be thankful for the things that God gives. And I realized God will continue to bless when you are thankful. Because you know when you're thankful, you know what that means. None of these things mean anything to you. Yeah. That's the heart that Job had. Job said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Man lost his whole family, all his cattle, everything. But you know what? His heart was focused on the Lord. Now, I know that sounds cold. Like, man, you know, could I really see myself doing that? But Job was one who understood God is everything. If I lose him, I lose everything. And you know, when the Bible tells us that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, the head of Christ is God. That means that God has a divine order in how he wants things to be. 
And if we keep Christ from being our head and spending time with him, you'll find everything else in your life go out of order. Trust me. I can even tell at times when this ministry struggles with things, I know it's because of me. I know it's because I'm not spending time with him and doing the things that he says. Sometimes I can preach dry messages. You know, sometimes I might feel intellectual and yeah, this came out right, but how many people did it touch? That's important to have an understanding. And when you give it to God, God will put everything in divine order. Because if we don't put God first, then we are under the yoke. And that's important that we understand that there are many yokes. There are yokes of religion. There are yokes of, like I said, thoughts and lust and desires. There are yokes of things that, you know, you think they're important, but in God's eyes, they're not, you know? So these are things that we're just trying to bring forward. So godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at verse seven, for we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Let's think about that. Think of everything we own. If we weren't born with it, what gave us such an affection and an attachment to it that we can't serve the Lord? I mean, I want us to think about this because it seems like whatever job we work or wherever we go, the Lord continues to take care of us. So you know that he's got you, but why do we put the crown on the things that we possess over God who can give us everything that we need? You know, this is so important, but it becomes foreign when you spend your time in the world because the world tells you, you must do A, B, C, and D. I wish that I could share a testimony with you guys of something that the Lord did for me recently, but I don't trust saying certain things on the media because they'll say, oh, is that what happened? Okay, so we'll figure out how we're going to bind you next. But let's just say the devil tried to hook me and, you know, I just knew that I was hooked, but I trust the Lord. You got to understand God's economy doesn't work the same way as the world's economy. I don't know if God's angels actually take things and files and turn them around. I don't know how it goes. You know, some of the bills that may come to your house, you don't even know that the devil himself, you know, probably wrote up for you because he's trying to snare you. You know what else snares you? Bills. You ever notice the more bills come in the mail, you just like, I thought I was doing better, but now, now this is coming and everything. But I do realize that even finances themselves are a war that the devil wages with us. And you know what? The spirit of God can release those finances unto you, but you first got to give it to him. You've got to trust God. You're everything. I don't know where I'm going to get the money from to pay it, but guess what? You'll provide and God will come through when you spend time before him. God is that good. He's that important. But you see, we're taught every day to follow those things that are tangible, things that we can see and taste and touch and smell. Man, what about God? What about Christ? You see, because some person could say, well, I can touch a dollar. I can't touch God. How do you know? Have you ever sought him deep enough? Have you ever prayed in enough? Have you ever asked to seek the face of the Lord? You can be touched by God. That's an absolute fact. Like he says, in having food and raiment, let us be there with content. We've always heard that our lives, you know, someone is always doing worse than we are. This is, this is absolutely true. We must have a spirit of thanksgiving to God, to thank him for all he does, because 
We are very fortunate. There are countries where people can't even talk about Christ. A meeting like this would have been raided by the police or the government and we'd be hauled off to jail. So you gotta thank him for that time that he's given us that we can draw close to him. And some of us are so far under the yoke that we don't even recognize the good that God is doing, the peace that he puts over our lives. The way that though we may not be millionaires, that he sees to it that you have, you can provide a meal for your family every day. He sees to it that you can have clean clothes, that you can actually live and do something. Be thankful because you see one day it's not going to be this way. We're gonna have to really rely upon the Lord, but that yoke keeps us from believing God. It makes us complain about what we don't have and not be thankful for the things that we do. But we've got to take those blinders off and understand that our God is so much more and he will provide. Yeah, um, Sarah. Well, and just to make a point on what you said about, you know, have we sought the face of the Lord, is that the devil wants to keep us so far bound in work and in bills and whatnot. That mm -hmm. we, it's almost as if, he, I'm not excusing it, but he's making to where we don't have time mm -hmm. to seek the face of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And even in death, you know, you hear all the time where it says, well, my mom was a good woman. She was a Christian. Why did she die? Well, do you want to stay here on this devil-possessed planet? Or would exactly. you rather be in heaven? But <laughs> exactly. you've got people so wound up in that, in the sadness of it, that some people actually lose their faith mm -hmm. when their family pass away. And, and you know they know <coughs> because of what they did, Lord willing, that they actually went to heaven. Absolutely. And that's a big thing is, you know, recognizing where we are. But, you know, as Christians, God is working with us, but we've got to get to the place of trusting him. And you know what? I know that we say we trust him, but there's so many things in our lives that prove that we don't. Because we'll come to God with an excuse and say, Lord, you know I've got this and that to do. But you've got to trust him to the place of, Lord, if I do what you say, will you take care of mine? And the Lord always does. He always does. If we think that we are the ones that take care of our families and, and our children and everything that we do because you sent home money to mom and all this, man, you're mistaken. You couldn't protect your family if you wanted to, okay? They could go at any time. It is God's grace that he has allowed them to allow you to be able to work, to allow you to be able to care for your family and do these things. We don't know what's gonna happen one minute from the next. Yes, so you see, it is always God that is in control, but the devil will deceive you that if you give God time, you won't be able to serve him. If you guys look in Exodus chapter five, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that story. We're not going there, but I mean, you can read it in your spare time, but it says that when Pharaoh heard that the children of Israel just wanted to go and worship, not even to be set free, they were supposed to go three days journey to go and give an offering to the Lord. Moses didn't ask for them to be free right away. That was what the, the first thing was. And Pharaoh said, I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. So then it became a tussling and struggle match where you know uh, Moses said, let my people go. And what did Pharaoh do? He told the Egyptians to put hard tasks on the children of Israel so that they would not hear the gospel. He said, get them in their burdens and they've got to make, we're not giving you any more straw for bricks. You got to go and find for yourself, but you can't let the order of bricks diminish. You've got to keep the same amount, you know? So he made their lives hard. They were beaten. They were oppressed. 
but it was all because Pharaoh did not want them to hear the word of the Lord that they could be set free. Don't let that shoot by us. That's really important because I recognize I could be home all day and nobody will call me. And then I seek the face of the Lord and all of a sudden that phone is ringing off the hook. You know why? Because the devil is trying to stop you from seeking the face of God. Because when you seek the face of God, he will break that yoke off of your neck. And you see, when you rely on the Lord, that's so much more important than anything else. When you begin to seek him, God puts a peace around you that whether you have or you don't, let, let God's will be done. And what I have found is when you give God first, God will provide everything and you will not lack. Not only will he do that, he'll also add to it because that is the God we serve. To not believe God is to believe that God is unfaithful. If God tells you something in his word, he will do it. And we've got to get to that place of believing that God is not a man. He cannot lie. He holds his word above his name. But we've got to trust him in believing, Lord, you're more real to me than anything in this life. And the closer you draw to him, the more the things of this life that we so seek after become strangely dim. And it doesn't mean that they need to go away. It just means that, Lord, I have it, but it doesn't mean anything to me. You want me to give it away, I'll give it away. I'll tell you guys a funny story. Um, and you guys didn't even know about this, but last Sunday when we went out to eat, there was a man that came to me at work. I was working late. And um, you know, he asked for change or whatever like that, <laughs> you know, to try and um, get change to do something. So he wanted to give me his quarters so I could give him $2. Well, I didn't have $2, so I just gave him one. And I was like, man, don't worry about the change, just keep it. So it was funny, while I'm standing out there outside of the hotel, there's a guy who came up to me, and you know, I talked to throughout the night, and he just gave me $5 in my hand, like, hey man, you know what? He was like, you're a cool guy, whatever. I enjoy talking to you tonight. I said, thank you. So while I'm on my way home, I see like a you know homeless guy that tries to give me his toothpaste and all that stuff that, you know, the little bags that you make in plastic that they hand out to the homeless. He just, you know, was talking to me one night and wanted to give me that. He was like, hey, you can have this or whatever. And I started thinking in my head, am I looking that bad or what? Like, I need that kind of help, you know, or whatever. But I was like, nah, man, I'm good. Keep it. So then the Lord told me that $5 you got, give it to him. So I gave it to him. He began to cry. And he was like, what would make you want to do this? And I said, man, you know, the Lord loves you. And I said, you're my brother in the Lord. You don't owe me anything, man. Just, hey, there you go. Take it. So the funny thing with that was when we went out to eat, I remember spending certain money for things. But then Martin and Laura came over and talked to me and said what they said. And I'm sitting there looking at this like, okay, Lord, now what are you telling me? But it was, you know, better than what I had before. But I don't know what put it on their heart. I believe the Lord told them to do that. But you see, when you trust God and you obey the voice of God, then God will bring blessings in your life that you're not even aware of. It's all about obeying him and giving it to him. Okay. So, you know, God is just so good, but I've seen that happen. Yeah, Anna. Well, I just want to tell, um, say a story from our family that happened before. Mm-hmm. Like my dad, when, when my dad was used to be um, replaced, the pastor who passed away, and he was there serving. And, you know, we had a lot of kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. We had farm and stuff like that. 
my dad put more effort to be church and serving the people. So he wasn't working as much. But it was interesting that God provided in every direction we had. Mm-hmm. Like none of the kids got sick, but that time my mom had like six kids or something like that. Mm-hmm. And all the neighbors who come in and look at us and like, what are you doing? You guys are different. You have everything you needed. Mm-hmm. My mom wasn't working. My dad working less. He mm-hmm. was spending most of his free time with people, mm-hmm. church and serving the Lord, mm-hmm. ministry and stuff like that. And God provided so abundantly that you, it was just, my parents will all be always like surprised here. It was interesting while mm-hmm. my dad was serving, none of the kids ever got sick. Mm-hmm. Never. We never went to the doctor. We never got sick. And mom was like, this has never happened with small kids. And she so, got, go ahead, sorry. I'm just saying that how God yeah. can provide when you give everything for him. Absolutely, yeah. because your dad refused to have that yoke about his neck, that your dad wanted to serve the Lord. And if the Lord called him to ministry, the Lord obviously knew. So the Lord says, okay, well, while you're busy for me, let me take care of your family because you're doing what I'm telling you to do. God provides this way. I had stuff come in the mail, I mean, just a month ago. I have never heard of a 401k that you don't even work for. I've never heard of that, but guess what? The Lord provided. Okay, there was money accumulating that I knew nothing about going on living my life. We're out there dealing with the homeless giving them things and stuff like that. All of a sudden I get a message, hey, you got funds you need to pick up. So me thinking it's a bill collector, I'm like, man, I ain't falling for this snare. Let me call my old boss and see if this is really legit. And it was, you know, the Lord handed a few thousand right there. But you see, God will always see to it that you have when you put him first. But the devil wants to put a yoke about your neck, blinders on your eyes and your mind and heart, so that you can't feel and desire the things that God wants. We can't let that happen. So let's look at verse nine. He says, but they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. So you guys think that the problem is being rich here? Ain't got nothing to do with that. It's not about riches. He's going to explain in the next line. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they were greedy and pursued after, they have erred as an error from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So you see, it's not about the money, it's the love of money. The love of money turns you away from God, it's not money. When you think of the fact that I talked about last week when we did the teaching of the abomination of desolation, how God had the the uh, the ark, almost everything in the temple, the golden candlestick, everything was made of pure gold. I mean, it was beautiful, everything that they had. But the Israelites didn't touch it. They didn't really care about it. But when they were invaded by Greece and Rome and what you would call the Gentiles, when they came in there, they saw gold and they took everything from the temple. Every time Israel was taken over, They took everything out of the temple. Why? Because that was their God. They pillaged, they plundered, they, uh, what do you call it? They they conquered all for the love of money. Men didn't conquer men for nothing. Slavery wasn't wasn't invented for nothing. That was for money. You know, a lot of people that were in slavery were commodities that they could work for free to help these people get rich. 
there's even a saying that the um, slavery that went on in the U.S. is what really financed America. You know, for all that time to have a society built up on the backs of people. But if you notice, the devil is still doing that same thing today. If I could find that Illuminati pyramid, it actually gives examples of at the very bottom, people are debt slaves. Okay, above that, you got government, schools, religion, and all these other things. They're above the debt slaves. And above the government and in all these other places, you've got the corporation sitting above them. So who's really in charge? And then above that, you got the think tanks, you know, like the uh, Club of Rome and all that. Then you got the Committee of 300, which are the 300 most powerful families. And then above that, you've got the most powerful 13 above them. And then on top of that, you've got that eye of Horus, which is, you know, spiritual wickedness in high places. So the devil is still getting rich. Well, not like he need money, but these people are getting rich and things are being financed through what we're doing for them. Even the smallest of things like sweeping up trash, you don't recognize that whatever you make in that in taxes for man hours and time, that's sent right over to the Queen of England. That's what that's all about, that they still take money. We are still serfs, okay? If you're not sitting, even they're serfs. The most powerful families in the world are still slaves to Satan, but they're looking at it like, I'm rich. What's the problem with them? They got blinders over their mind. But you see, God allows us to see things like this because he wants you to look up and see who you're working for. So though we might be in this life, we may have to make a living and do what we do. We can't be snared to this. We can't get to the place of believing, unless I have this, I can't survive. You've got to trust in God so that he can provide everything that you need. Because the devil has got a good, you know, uh, trick. He's got the old switcheroo coming up. He's drawing everyone's heart into the here and now. And then when the time comes, have you guys ever seen that trick where you put the, um, the uh, sheet on the table and then you got the plates around the table? And then the guy just pulls the sheet and everything stays there, but the sheet is gone. This is what the devil is planning to do to the people of God. He draws you into loving the world. But when it comes time to crash this economy, he is going to do it. And everyone's heart who is chained to the economy and loving the world, not putting Jesus Christ first, you will take the mark of the beast. I guarantee you, because your heart's already there and that's become more real to you than Jesus. So for me telling people to draw close to Jesus, this is not a punishment, like go to your room, go in the corner. This is introducing you to your Lord so that you can spend time with him and understand there is great joy in spending time with God. This happens to me every now and then when I find myself going away from God or not getting as close as I need to be. And then I get before his face and he and I get close. And the Lord, you know, I, I'll say to him, Lord, I can't believe that I have forgotten how good it is to be in your presence, to talk to you, to tell you about my day, to hear what you have for me. It's a love relationship that this lying serpent wants to stop the people of God from being. And the reason he does that is because he wants to put you under the yoke. But we got to give it to Christ and we've got to be set free not just free from what we have. We can have that stuff. That's nothing, okay? The bottom line is, where is your heart? Because Jesus says, where your, where your treasure is, 
there will your heart be also. Trust me, man, I've seen it. I've tried to do it without this. It doesn't work. God's calling me and the world's calling me. And if I love the world, then I have a hatred for God. Don't even realize that that's what's happening. Don't even realize that the reason I can't obey his commandments and love him the way he says is because I've got another master. So we're going to talk about how to be set free, how to even live in this world, but not be of it, how to have riches. And they mean absolutely nothing to you because it's all about God. And the only way we're going to get that perspective is if we spend time with our God. So he says, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil, which um, some, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, he's speaking to us, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. So you see, we've got to, we've got a fight that is going on to help set the captives free, to preach the gospel, to tell people about Christ before it's too late. And this is the thing that the yoke tries to prevent the people of God from doing. The devil will never bind you with chains again. Okay. I mean, he probably will try it in the future, but he learned that that's not what set what keeps people captive. What keeps you captive is your mind. You ask any slave owner back in those days, did the chain stop then and the hard bondage from running away? You know, they never tell you this, but I've looked up documentaries where they were trying to run away like every day. I mean, they were risking their lives to be set free, only to be bound, beaten and do whatever. And, you know, but they just kept running away. But the devil said, okay, we can't continue this way because all it's going to bring is just straight civil war. So I'll tell you what, we'll add you into society. And I'm not talking about white and black, okay? That's the furthest thing from my mind. There were whites that were enslaved in history. There were blacks that were enslaved in history. We're all enslaved by the devil until we give it all to Christ. What I'm talking about is they said, okay, open the world up. Let you think that you're someone respectable in society. You can walk around with clothes on and a suit and you can really go out and achieve. But really, we're financing what the devil wants. We've got to learn to walk with God even while we're here and to do his will. But we can't do it with the yoke. Let's go to um, Leviticus 26 and let's look at verse one. Leviticus 26 and one. Because I would have to ask myself, you know, along my walk when, Derek, why is it at times you can be so bold for Jesus and other times you're, you're like hesitant to fire the trigger and preach the gospel? You know what it is? I'm bound. You see what I'm saying? You got to be set free. That stuff can't matter to you. You know, Sarah's boss wanted to let her go because of whatever. She gave Sarah an ultimatum. Either you're going to stop talking about Jesus in here or you can find yourself another place to work. And Sarah said, well, I guess I'm gone. But that's the way that it, it, you know, it is. And the Lord continued to provide for her. She fell on rough times, but he continued to provide because that is the God that we serve. Gotta make a stand for Jesus. So this is Leviticus 26. Let's look at verse one. 
He says, you shall make you no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. So you can say in your land, we shouldn't have any images or idols. That land is the very place that God wants to get into with us. That's your heart, guys. That's your heart and your mind, not to set up idols or things in stone. Yes, he's talking about where the children of Israel are, but we got to understand if we're the temple of the living God, we shouldn't have idols in here, you know, that are not of God. This is what the devil tries to set up in you and I by getting us to love the things of this life and having no time for God. Look at verse two. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season and the land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. So, you know, I like to take a lot of Old Testament messages and I like to relate them to the gospel. He says that if you follow me, you will have rain in due season. What is rain symbolic for? a type of Holy Ghost, okay? The Bible speaks about the former rain and the latter rain. He says, if you stay with God and you do what God says, you will have that rain in due season. There were two rains that fell in Israel throughout the year. One was for, it was the former rain, which which was the growing of the crops. The latter rain was before the harvest, which was the maturing of the crops. This is where even Christians today I've got to go through two baptisms. You got one baptism, which is down in water, and the next baptism that you will receive if you stay with the Lord and you seek him will be the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost baptism is the baptism where we draw close to God and we will receive power if we stay with God. That's the maturing. And then we wonder, how could Moses and, and you know, Peter and all these guys do great things? And, you know, Man, Christians today don't do that anymore because they're under a yoke. You see, something is stopping the rain from falling and it's the idols that are in the land. It's the statutes and commandments that we're not doing to serve the Lord. And I'm not talking about the old Mosaic law. I'm talking about the two commandments that Jesus Christ said to have, to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. He says on those two commandments to hang all the law and the prophets. So we're not under Levitical law, but you see, if you follow what God is telling you to love him first and foremost with everything, then you can love your wife right. Then you can love your neighbor right. Then you can love your children right. Then you can preach the gospel because you have become that source that is connected to God, okay? So then he says, um, you know, and look at the rest of that in verse four. He says, and the land shall yield her increase. You'll grow in spirit and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. So when we talk about being fruitful, we must understand that to be fruitful is to manifest Christ in our lives. Jesus says that a good tree doesn't bring forth evil fruit and a corrupt tree doesn't bring forth good fruit. 
We've got to be organically grown and spending time with Christ that he can manifest in our lives. Why we can look at us and say, well, he claims to be a Christian, but I don't see any fruit on him. He's not moving like Peter and all these other guys. He can't because he's under the yoke. But if we give it to God and allow him to increase in relationship, we will grow in spirit and in power. Don't sell yourself short. Look at verse five. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time and ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in land safety, in your land safely. So what God intends to do is to fill us. Look at verse six. And I will give peace in the land and ye shall lie down and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land neither shall the sword go through your land. So God is guaranteeing you that you will be in peace. And he's also talking about removing the beast of the field. The beast of the land would be a type of demons that we deal with. Those that give us fear, those that give us doubt, give us unbelief, give us things that are not of God, makes us slothful and lazy, makes us desire and lust after things that are not of God. He says he's going to rid all of that. He's going to sanctify us from all unrighteousness that we can pursue him. And look at what he says in verse seven, and ye shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by the sword. So, you know, we all have heard of casting out demons, but how many of us have actually ever cast one out? You can't cast out demons that you're in league with. This is a type of yoke. You can't ask someone to be delivered of something if you're still involved in something. So this is where it comes to have things broken off of us. You can't rid somebody of drugs if you like smoking cigarettes because that same demon is in you that's trying to keep you know that person from being set free. So you've got to get to the place of giving it to God, allowing him to sanctify us. You know, you can't cast greed out of a person if you're greedy. You know, so you've got to be set free. So look at what he says. You will chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. And that's why Jesus said, if I cast out devils, then no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God wants to come upon each of us and he wants to fill us to the brim that we will be victorious in our enemies. But if we got enemies within to keep us from serving, then we've got to get set free. Verse nine, for I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. And ye shall eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new. When he says you shall eat old store, it means that what God gives you will last and last, but you're gonna eventually bring forth the old because of the new. I don't have need of this anymore, including money. I've got Christ. So you see what I'm saying? You can be sustained in this life with what God has given you, but it doesn't mean much. God will continuously supply if you stay obedient, but it doesn't matter. I can bring forth the old because that's what the old man enjoyed. But now that I'm the new man, I want God to govern my life and I want to do what he says. This is what's important. This is why, like I said, as Christians, 
we get capped off in certain places because we look at the pastor, we look at the deacon, we look at the teachers, and we'll say, man, these guys are, you know, I guess that's what a Christian's supposed to be. So I guess that's what I'm going to measure up to. But how do you know that that pastor, that deacon, or that preacher is not bound? How do you know that something's not capping them off? You've got to pursue Christ. I'm not saying don't go to church, go to church, but you've got to have a relationship with Christ that you can grow in spirit to the fullness of your potential. All right. So anyway, he says, you know, look at verse 11, and I will set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you. That means he'll live in you. That's what Jesus was talking about in the uh, New Testament. And I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be, you shall not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. So you see here that they were enslaved. They were bound by the yoke of the enemy. And but God says, I have broken you and set you free from it, that you're not meant to be their bondmen. I'm breaking the yoke so that you can walk upright. Don't let this shoot by us. When he talks about walking upright, we've got to understand that in many ways, we don't walk upright. We walk upright to the measure of our potential. But then how much do you compromise your values in the workplace in order to continue being where you are? So though we may be learning to stand and walk and our heads are slowly coming up, but there's still things that are keeping us from totally being upright, from representing Jesus in any atmosphere that we go to, that people might get saved. When we decide to choose time and places that we should preach the gospel, or I don't know if I should say this, they may go to human resources, you're bound. Because the job has taken precedence over the word of God. This is what we're trying to say. But when you walk upright, thus say of the Lord, they don't like you or let me go. I'm off with the Lord doing what he says. But how many of us will compromise the gospel knowing that it's the truth for the sake of staying where we are and becoming their bondmen? Yeah, bro. So the verse that talks about being unevenly yoked is not like a contradiction almost. Great point, bro. No, it's not. Unless you're on the the yoke of Jesus, but that's... According to the definitions, spiritual. He brought that point up, and that's actually in the teaching tonight. That is another yoke that God does not want us to be in. So, yeah, we're actually going to talk about that, but that's a great point that Martin brought that up. There's no contradiction. He's telling you not to be as they are. You can be in the same place and be separate from what you're around, you know, but there comes a place of maturing, like this latter rain. That God's going to set you free. I already see it coming. The Lord has shown me this. And that's why it's hard when you preach the gospel to those who are bound. You want to set them free. But remember what happened to the children of Israel? When Moses told them that they, the Pharaoh should let them go, they began to blame Moses because the bondage got hard. They began to say, the Lord look upon you and judge because you have allowed Pharaoh to hate, it, to hate us. But the truth is, Pharaoh hated you anyway. That's why you weren't eating at his table. You were just a slave. But you see, from their perspective, they were, you know, well, Pharaoh's been good to us. He is. How come there's no Egyptians working around here, but you guys are working? So, you know, we've got to see things with a fresh perspective 
that we are God's children. We are the sons and daughters of Christ. We were never meant to be bondmen to anyone. But he says for those who are up under the yoke, still that they've got to live a certain way to glorify God. But there's gonna come a point when that yoke will be broken because God intends to set us free. Wherever it's gonna be, whenever it'll be for us, it'll have to be because if we allow the yoke to remain, we're gonna go in line with the devil and his mark. Who had something? Yes, sir. And on that, because that's still happening today, a little bit of a twist, but let's just say here tonight, we're, we're talking about how evil the world is and how it's like, when you come to know Jesus, the world's gonna turn on you, your job's gonna turn on you, people are gonna start you know, to hate you, not because of us, but because of Jesus Christ in us. That's right. And then someone goes to a church where it's all prosperity doctrine, and the person listens to that mm -hmm. instead of what is actually the truth. Then they can turn. Then they turn against the pastor that's telling them the truth because they don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. And they say, "Well, why does my job turn on me when this pastor said it's all about comfortability and you know just go along to get along, mm -hmm. just say the name of Jesus and you'll be fine, but mm -hmm. the world shouldn't hate you." Mm -hmm. When the scripture clearly says the world would hate you. Mm -hmm. If you love Jesus, so it's like people write defense with that, but it's like either you want to seek the truth and understand what it really says, or you're not. But you can't have one or the other. That's right, and that's why you know. To be honest with you, that Jesus was the one, and he had his disciples be the same way, but they never preached the gospel until they were set free. You know, Jesus was set free you know, more free than anyone. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness, okay, to be set free. And the devil tried to put a yoke about his neck through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The next thing he told them, man, I don't have to prove anything to you. The devil told him, jump down and prove. And the devil even tried to bind him with the word of God, even though he was the wrong spirit. He quoted Psalm 91 to Jesus, and Jesus told him straight out that it is written that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus had nothing to prove. And then the final temptation, the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. He says, I will give all these things to you if you will bow down and worship me. And what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written that I shall serve the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. You ask yourself why Jesus, full of the spirit, never took a job here. He, he might've been a carpenter's son, but when he became 30 years of age and that rain fell on him, as the Bible spoke about in due season, that he went into the wilderness and he severed all ties with the world. That, don't let that, don't think for one minute that God doesn't plan to do that for us, but we've got to understand what a treasure it is to serve him. So some of us may be still under the yoke. You know, there are things that we're still bound to, but the plan is to be set free. The plan is to be set free. Why? Because the devil means to take it from you and I anyways. Let's look at Isaiah 14. I'm not telling people throw out your riches. I ain't telling people quit your job. But I'm telling you that these things can't mean anything to you. You've got to have a heart for Christ. And you see, I, I will tell you this. If you seek the Lord enough and spend enough time with him, 
God will knock on your door and say, hey, I need you. You and I have become spirit to spirit. We can't do this anymore. You and I have got to go. Okay, so this is why God does what he does. God knows that he didn't separate some of us right now totally because he knows we couldn't handle it. We would get out there, not really have that direction with him, and we'd find ourselves all over the place. But the message that I'm preaching tonight that I'm speaking about, this is all about growth, man. This is what's around us, and this is what God eventually wants to set us free from. So let's look at uh, Isaiah 14, look at verse 24. It says, the Lord of hosts have sworn saying, surely as I have thought, so shall I come to, so shall it come to pass. And as I have uh, proposed, so shall it stand that I will break the Assyrian uh, and uh, in my land and upon my mountains, uh, tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them and his burden depart from off their shoulders. So, you know, Israel were not just enslaved by the Egyptians. There came the Assyrians, there came the Persians, there came the Babylonians. There was always someone trying to oppress the people of God. This is why you and I look for presidents to help us out, but none of them ever do. Why? Because they're all under the yoke of Satan and they will obey their master as they're supposed to. You wanna vote for somebody? I remember Holly said this two years ago. She said when she goes to vote that she'll sign Jesus Christ, you know, or whatever. But you see, that's what we're supposed to, you know. Oh, yeah, I do. But I remember you, you know. So I'm like, yeah, she said that. But God's plan is to set us free. We got to put our trust in Christ, not in man. But I do remember you said that. She said Jesus. That's right. You know, they don't like it. Then, you know, tell you to stop voting, you know, or whatever. But you see, that's all about breaking the yoke. That Assyrian, that's a capital A, okay? This is a type of antichrist. The Assyrian tried to oppress the people of God. There were two kings that came, I think, within four years of one another or something like that, but they oppressed Israel, and the Lord promised that he would break the yoke off of them that the Assyrian tried to place on them, and he said, off their shoulders. Look at verse 26. This is the purpose that is proposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts hath proposed, and who shall disannul? And his hand is stretched out, and out shall it turn back. I mean, who shall turn it back? Sorry. Uh, in the year of the king Ace has died of this burden. Rejoice not thou, O whole Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. So what we're looking at is present tense. I mean, well, you know, past tense. And we're also looking at the future to come. Palestina is pretty much the place of Israel, but he's making forward, he's making a point. You guys can cheer and be happy that the Assyrian's gone, but it don't work that way. You know, like totally. He says, out of the serpent's roots would come forth a cockatrice. What is a cockatrice? A venomous snake. Out of a snake's um, roots, he will bring forth more children. This battle would go on and on. And what would the cockatrice eggs form? It would form a fiery flying serpent. Do you guys remember in Revelation 13, for the new world order at the end of time, 
that it would be a, a seven-headed dragon with seven heads. I mean, well, seven heads and ten horns. Okay, but if you notice, that beast was like all of the other governments that came before it. It would be mixed in. So this would be the end result of you know the spirit of Antichrist that it would form a fiery flying serpent. Okay, so we must understand that. You know, this is something that we're going to forever be asking the Lord to break the bands off. I mean, a lot of people get snared. They don't like Obama. They'll say he's a homosexual. He does. He's that. So then they'll get rid of him. I wasn't an Obama fan. I knew right away when everybody loved him. That's got to be the devil sitting there, you know. But the bottom line is when he did that, he moved off. People couldn't wait. And then, you know, Trump brought up some things and other people brought up stuff and People always know, got to get the right man in office. But I mean, it's like, how many times do you have to see this before you recognize the whole world lies in wickedness? It belongs to the devil. So we can't go through this life being deceived. We've got to see things as they are. Yeah, I may work here, but I know the devil owns this place. Lord, whatever you need for me to do here, I will do. But when you are done, set me free. That's what our desire should be. Jesus says the wind blows where it listeth, and neither can anyone tell the sound thereof. Whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so was everyone that is born of the Spirit. You had something, bro? Yeah, it's interesting, though, you know, the, the wickedness and Trump and all that. It's interesting why there's so many witches that mm-hmm. actually you know, perform you know, witchcraft ceremonies mm-hmm. you know, to go against Trump. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that hate Trump, but, mm-hmm. but they never actually get in trouble. Like they, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's mm-hmm. weird. So I don't know. It's, I don't know what's happening there, but it's, it's like the I'll first tell you, that, that I heard of that. I'll tell you what the happened. devil is doing. The devil is creating something called smoke and mirrors. There's no witches casting anything on Trump. If they were, you wouldn't <laughs> know about it. I mean, they probably are working for his benefit to help him out, but there's nobody reading Bibles in the, in the White House. I know you might see a Bible on the news and I guarantee you when the camera goes cut, you know, and everything else is done. But the devil's creating smoke and mirrors because what is he trying to do? Trying to keep the yoke on your neck by any means necessary. A lot of people are believing that Trump is God's anointed, just like King Cyrus. You know, maybe the Lord might be using it to buy more time, but you best believe he's not building that wall for nothing. That's so you can't leave the country. They ain't got nothing to do with Mexicans. But you see, this is what people are doing. They're falling for the lies of the enemy because the devil's trying to tell us, you know, well, see, we got something else we can believe in. Maybe Trump is good. Maybe he's doing God's will. You know what? God can burn it all up. Okay. I know that they're they're trying to say like, you know, maybe we've got some time. If we've got any time, it's because of the Lord. It's not because of Trump. It's not because of Obama. It's not because of any of these people. These people serve the devil. But see, the devil won't just oppress the Christians right now because there's still quite a few of us left and we will pray out to our God and they'll really get in trouble. And as we stay with the Lord, bands will be broken and we will serve God. But see, the devil will try and make you believe in it still. There's still some hope. God raised up another one that could possibly help us out because he wants the yoke on your neck and he wants you attached. He wants you to still believe that this country will become a great nation. When really all I care about is what the Lord cared about is that these souls will be saved out of it. 
even if we end up under Russia, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But guess what? Daniel lived in two captivities and God raised him in both to do his will. But as you can see, the Hebrew boys were, you know, they thought they were free moving for a little bit until Nebuchadnezzar made a decree that everyone had to bow down to that statue, which represented the Antichrist. There was an image of a man, six cubits wide and 60 cubits tall. That's 666. You had to be able to worship the image in order to stay in the kingdom. And as you can see, they weren't bound to it. They said, I'm willing to die today not to worship you. Our God will set us free, but if not, then hey, we'll just burn up in there, but we are not going to serve you. And what happened? The Lord showed up, but we've got to get to the place of believing him because you see everyone in that town bowed. And, and even though they were taken in captivity and found favor with some of the people that were there, they still had to acknowledge their God. They still had to stand for the truth. So did Daniel, so did they. And that's the way it's gonna be for you and I. Man, don't you bow to the beast because we got a God to serve. And the beast, when he, once he gets you to bow and you know give up some things, he'll push other things on you. Let's go to Jeremiah 2. Did anyone have something to say? Yes, sir. Well, and this is how bound everyone gets about the political system. It's because there are people saying today that you're not a Christian if you don't believe in Christ. And there's also a thing where he's signing Bibles now. Like he's the author of the scripture. Right. That's, to me, that's heresy and it's blasphemy. Who gave you? Who gave anyone the right to sign a Bible? And then he's doing that. And what did the Bible say that the Antichrist would do? What's that? Oh, Trump's full of pride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They are. All of the devil's children are proud. That's what the Bible says in, um, what is that? Uh, Job 41. I think it's Job 41 where it says that Satan or this Leviathan is the father of all the children of pride. So, you know, if he's that dragon that's like Leviathan, everyone that serves Satan will be proud because that's the image that he gives off. That he's big, bad, and bold, but he's afraid of the Lord. So, you know, these are things that are going to come to pass. And it says the Antichrist would come with peace and destroy many. That's how he's coming. He's not coming with the sword. He wants worship because that's what Satan desires. Satan doesn't just want to kill everybody. He wants you to forsake your God. He wants you to love him. He wants you to believe in him and worship him because he believes that he is God. This is what he wants you to believe. He don't want to just kill you. If you kill a Christian, you help them out. They go to heaven and be with Christ. He wants a confession out of your mouth to say, man, this is the truth. I don't know what they had before, but this is what I believe in. The devil wants to bind you with your own worship. That's why he pushes these things in our way. So Jeremiah 2, look at verse 1. He says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem saying, thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. So he took them to a barren land, God remembers. Look at verse three, Israel was holiness unto the Lord and the first fruits of his increase. All that devouring him shall offend evil, shall um, come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, 
and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your fathers found in me that they are gone far from me and have walked after vanity and become vain. You know what the problem is? Let's keep reading verse six. Neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt that led us through the wilderness, through the land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelled. Dwelt, verse uh, seven. And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made mine heritage an abomination. So how did they do it? Look at verse eight. The priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handle the Lord knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. So what did the devil do to them? He put a yoke on them, okay? He got them to follow after the other tribes, the other cultures, they feel like they're in the land. They're no longer seeking the Lord. As you can see, the prophets or the priests are not even looking for the Lord anymore. And they handle the law. I mean, those that handle the law don't even know God. The pastors transgressed. That means they knew the truth and went beyond against me. And the prophets, those who are God's mouthpiece, prophesied by Baal. So you see, this is what you're getting today. Religion is another way that the devil is binding people. He'll have you sit up in the church, never knowing the Bible, never drawn close to Christ. You, you favor his uh, personality and you leave there feeling like you've done your Christian duty. But what does Christ want? Christ wants to know you. Christ wants to use you. He wants to minister through you. But you've got to get to that place of growth. There's nothing wrong with sitting in the congregation, but you still got to seek the Lord. Okay, because no one saves you but Jesus Christ. So they went after things that don't, that don't profit. This is what the devil is doing to the people of God today. Look at verse nine. Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim and see, and send unto Kedar, and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. So he's saying, you don't believe me? Check it out. We could turn on the TV and find this to be true. Look at 11. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. So, you know, look at verse 12. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, that's Christ, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This is how the devil is hurting the people of God. He gets your attention focused on anything else. The spirit of God can't make you whole. You're broken because you're torn between two places. And then when the God wants to increase his spirit in you, you can only go so far. The top's broken. Every time I pour water in, there's water leaking out of the bottle. The cistern, the vase, the vessel is broken because it's forsaking God 
that makes the vessel whole. That's why Jesus said you must put new wine into a new jar, because when you do, both are preserved. But if you put wine into an old jar, it won't work. I'll give you an example of this. If God calls one of us tomorrow to say, hey, I need you to do what I'm calling you to do today, and I need you to get filled. And I say to the Lord, well, you know I got work tomorrow. And the Lord says, forget that. I need you to do something for me. You see, we won't go because we're broken, because we don't allow God to give us the time to do what he needs us to. We're torn. Our hearts are in two different places. That's why he speaks about the double heart and the double mind. What did he say about the double mind in first uh, in James 1 and 8? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Don't think that man will receive anything from the Lord. It's not that God doesn't want to give him. God can't give it to him because he will disobey God. He won't walk with God. God's purpose will be here and yours will be there. So what happened? That bottle breaks because you've got new wine in an old vessel. We need the new vessel of the spirit that ebb and flows with God. When God wants it to do a thing, it will do it. But the two evils here is they have forsaken the Lord. This is why the devil keeps you and I busy. And we have broken cisterns that can hold no water. You can't hold the spirit. Look at verse 14. Is Israel a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Why is he spoiled? The young lions roared upon him and yelled, and they made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitant. Also, the children of Noth and Tehaphanes have broken the crown of thy head. Noth and Tehaphanes are two ancient cities that were in ancient Egypt. He says that these two places broke their head. I should look up what those meanings are. Well, if you have time, can you? Because we we're running short on time. But if you can look up Noph and Tehaphanes, what they mean. But you see, these two places have broken their head. Your mind is messed up. You know, we've got stinking thinking. You know, we think opposite of what God wants. So when we're in this place, we can't even hear God because we've got so many other things going on. You found them? Yeah. All right. So, no, this is Hebrew 52 97 means uh, present, presentability. Presentability. Okay. Another name for Memphis, the capital city of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And then Tehaphanes means Tehaphanes um, or Tehaphanes or Tehaphanes, thou will fill hands of, with pity. A city of Egypt modern. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so presentability is no, and that will fill hands with pity is to have an ease. So presentability means, you know, from what I'm gathering, what the spirit is leading me to, that you care for self. I care about how I'm seen. I care about being self-sustained. You see, that's not in God's spirit. God is all about having his will done through willing vessels. But then you look at to have an ease, which means that will fill their hands with pity. What have we got? Jesus said it best. These two things can be defined in one verse that Jesus said. He says, what is it in a man to gain? What profit is it to him to gain the whole world, to be accepted by the world and to lose his own soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? This is all about the yoke that the devil wants to put on the people of God. 
You see, so this is uh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that info. But he says, uh, I just want to read like three more things. He says, uh, hast thou not procured this unto thyself and that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God when he led thee by the way? And now that, and now what hast thou to do in the way of Egypt to drink the waters of Sihor? And what hast thou to do in the way of Assyria to drink the waters of the river? So now you're drinking of the water of the enemy? Like, are you kidding me? Look at verse 19. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. For the old time, for of old time, I have broken the yoke, or thy yoke, and burst thy bands, and thou said, I will not transgress, when upon every high hill and under every green tree thou wanderest playing the harlot. So you see, the Lord is saying, I've, I've broken these bands off of you before. I've taken things away from you that you used to like, but somehow you went back to them. And now that you're back with them, it's hard to be set free. Look at, look at how the Bible talks of Jesus in verse 21. Yet I have planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then art thou turned into the degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? So what have they become? Unrighteous trees. But though thou wash thee with nitre and take thee much so, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord. How canst thou say, I am not polluted? I have not gone after Balaam. Um, see thy way in the valley, know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary as in a one hump camel traversing her ways. So I wanna skip down to uh, chapter three. Let's look at verse one. This is where I'm talking about that the devil tries to ensnare us and keep us from getting full of the spirit. Jeremiah three and one. It says, they say, if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, uh, shall, uh, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again to me, saith the Lord. So the Lord is comparing <coughs> us, you know, not giving him time and fooling around with the world to an unfaithful wife. That's why he tells you in James 4 and 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Because when you fool around with the world, you become the enemy of God. I even feel at times, even in the workplace, like I'm selling out. There are times, man, I can feel when I'm talking and, you know, everybody's having a good time. There's no controversy. We're just having breakfast and speaking of things. And for whatever reason, being in that atmosphere, I still feel dirty. They're talking about sports. They're into all this. And then I go on to my class to work. But the bottom line is I'm sitting there looking at it like, man, Jesus should have been talked about. You feel like throughout the day your soul is dying because you want to, you know, to speak of Christ and you want to save souls. But this world, you can just feel the oppression that no one wants to hear it. It just keeps you busy from having what God wants. I feel like throughout the day, drawing closer to him, like I'm cheating on him. 
Yeah, bro. So to me, being under the yuck, it's like being a good new vessel. You're preserving like spoiled wine. Great point. That, I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. It is like that. Like you want to be the new people, like the children of Israel always belong to the Lord. But they were in Egypt, you know, held captive. That's what the devil wants to do. Look at verse two, lift up thine eyes unto the high places and see where thou hast not been lying. I mean, see where thou hast not been lying with. In the ways, in the ways hast thou set of for them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. Look at what he says in verse three. Therefore the showers, remember I told you showers are a type of rain. The showers have been withholding and there have been no latter rain for the maturity and thou hast a whore's forehead, thou refusest to be ashamed. So he's making clear, God would like to give you the spirit, but the showers are held back. That latter rain that we need to mature and become like Christ was when he walked, we've got a whore's forehead. We think like a whore. We think of cheating daily. We don't even see it as cheating. So that's why he says thou refuses to be ashamed because when God calls you, well, Lord, I got stuff to get ready for tomorrow. So he's saying, man, you don't even recognize that you're forsaking me. You're cheating on me. I want to see you for the day. I need to speak with my creation. There's so much I got on my heart that I wanna share with you, but you only think about this. So God's saying, I would love to give you the rain, but I can't because you've got a whore's forehead. You're not even seeking the rain. You're capped off. You're a broken vessel. You refuse to be set free. But we've got to learn to cling to God so that we can be that new vessel. I want to bring up a quick point. Let's go to, um, uh, where do I want to go? I believe it's... Um, Let's go to Isaiah 10, and then we're going to hit the New Testament. Isaiah 10. And like I said, this message tonight is not to kick anybody out of what they're doing. Let the Holy Ghost work. But the bottom line is, let us examine ourselves. And when the Holy Ghost shows us what's there, you know, and you recognize it's a burden, it's keeping you from serving the Lord, then we need to be set free. Pray for it. You guys got something to say? Uh, scaring your wife, Eric? I guess so. <laughs> bad, bad man. I was focused and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's look at verse 21. This is Isaiah 10. Look at verse 21. And uh, Isaiah 10 and 21, he says, the remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For thou, I mean, for though thy people Israel be as a sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. So even though Israel was like the sand of the sea, innumerable, couldn't even be counted, he says that only a remnant will be received. And that he says, um, that they shall overflow with righteousness. So I know when we look at people, this shouldn't deter us from preaching the gospel, but we really do think that everybody we run into that says they're a Christian is gonna be saved. God's got a remnant. 
You know, Jesus says, few there be that find the way because everybody doesn't want to hear the truth, but we've got to learn to cling to him. All I wanna be is a part of his remnant. I'm gonna speak of as many, you know, to as many souls as I can to help save people. But in the end, it's not gonna be because of me they didn't get saved. It's gonna be because they chose not to, because they allowed that yoke. But here's the solution, verse 23. For the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption, even determined in the midst of all the land, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, O my people that dwellest in Zion, be not afraid of the Assyrian. There's that guy again. That's a type of Antichrist. He shall smite thee with a rod and shall lift up his staff against thee after the manner of Egypt. Remember how we talked about the serpent's roots? You see how every Antichrist spirit follows after Egypt? What does Egypt mean? That word is Mitzrayim, which means what? Bondage. Okay, so when they were in Egypt, they were in bondage. And it seems like whoever tried to enslave them, he, um, we call it adopted the ways of the Israelites, I mean, of the Egyptians. Look at verse 25. For yet a very little while, and the indignation shall cease, and my anger in their destruction. And the Lord of hosts shall stir up a scourge for him, according to the slaughter of Midian, at the rock of Oreb or Horeb, and as his rod was upon the sea, so shall he lift it up after the manner of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So we must understand that in order for the yoke of this world, the things that are tied to our hearts and minds, the only way for these things to be broken is we need the anointing. What is the anointing? That's God's approval to go forward and to preach his word and to live for him. Without that anointing, we are going to be bound. This is why you find many of us as Christians will only go by so far. Well, God has got a whole green harvest out there waiting for the children of Israel. When the children of Israel left Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness. Some of them wanted to stay there because they thought they were free, but they still had another land to go into that they refused to fight those giants for, not even recognizing that in that land was where it flowed with milk and honey. It never said the wilderness was gonna flow with that. It said that the promised land flow with milk and honey. I can't speak for anybody else, but I'll tell you this. I want what's in that land and I will not stop. I will not stop bombarding heaven and praying and asking the Lord for the anointing, asking him for the fruit of that land, asking him for the spirit to where I become bursting forth because I want my inheritance. Your inheritance is not here if you're a Christian. Your inheritance is not the wilderness. Your inheritance is that land, which is eternal life, which is all you can have in the spirit, which is called the richness and the glory of the mystery of the things to come, which is what Christ in you is the hope of glory. We can't stop until we birth forth Christ, until we feed Jesus, until we give him everything that he wants in the spirit to where he begins to govern your life. We can't stop 
till we reach that place of the anointing, breaking the yoke. Because other than that, we're gonna have blinders on our minds. I've done the religious thing. I've done the church thing. There's times I don't even feel like doing this. I want what God has in store for me. I'm sick of pretending. I'm sick of going, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. I'm sick of performing and looking a certain way for others. I want what God has in store for me because only when I become spirit to spirit with him will I do what he wants. You might do some of the things he wants at this level, but God's got a whole nother land. God provided for them in the wilderness. He provided for them in Egypt. But what about that land? What about that promise? That's what we've got to seek after. I'm going to read this thing one more time, so hopefully it'll make sense. And as soon as I want to read it, the devil removes it. All right, but I'll have to, um, I think this is it right here. No. So Egypt is translated as burden? Is that what the uh, bondage. A bondage? Yeah. I want to move on. It's time to move on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Luke four. We gotta acknowledge our Lord. He's the only one that ever did. Thank you, Jesus. And I gotta find this thing all over again. The devil loves to play tricks on you. I just looked at it and then turned it off and went back to it. But there was something I quoted in the beginning of this study. Here it is. Thank you, Jesus. This is from a man, Robert Murray. I can't even pronounce his last name. But he says, I see a man cannot be a faithful minister until he preaches Christ for Christ's sake, until he gives up striving to attract people to himself and seeks only to attract them to Christ. Lord, give me this. So you see what we read, we read that in the beginning, but this is true. We don't realize how much we perform for others. We don't realize how much we care that people want, you know, that, that people um, like what we do for Christ. We've got to get beyond that. Even if the whole world hates you, guess what? Jesus loves you. You'll be the majority of one preaching the gospel in a stadium full of people that hate Jesus. You've got to have it in you where the Bible says to be covered in the full armor that we can stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, being girded up with our loins, with truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, shield of faith to do what? Quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We've got to stay with Christ so that we can stand because Jesus is the only one that can do this. All right, uh, Luke 4. I'm running my mouth. I didn't even get to it. Luke 4, look at verse 1. Now let's see this through the eyes of the Lord and all that he endured. I know we talked about it, but we, there's a message in here for us. Luke 4 and 1, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he, he afterward, he hungered. And the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. What was the devil trying to give Jesus? The lust of the flesh. And Jesus answered him saying, it is written, 
that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain, shoot unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him into Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. So now the devil's getting religious on him. He took him to a temple this time, since you like so much of it is written. So let me go and try and contend with you. This is what the devil does. That's why when God shows you the truth in his word, and we instantly will go to a pastor and you know try and find out if this is true. And if that pastor is not bound, he'll tell you the truth. If he's bound, you're gonna forsake the truth of Christ and pick it up in his perspective and you'll be bound. So he says, and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down from thence, from hence, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands, they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, it is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. We've got to remember when the devil leaves us in time of temptation, it's only for a season. What's gotten a lot of Christians bound and stand up again? They thought that they had conquered what they were in. So we think the coast is clear. We go back to the things that we love that he freed us from and we're bound again. The devil will always double back to see, are you as strong with the Lord as you were the week before? That's why we got to stay with him. Verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. You see that? Because he fulfilled his obedience, that yoke never got about his neck. So his reward, the latter reign. He returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as it was his custom, his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Look at what he says in verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So what God has given us through this passage is what the yoke looks like. Look at it again, to preach the gospel to the poor. Why? Because the richness is in Christ. It's not about the money. But then he says, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Do you know how so many of our hearts today are bleeding and suffering from things in the past? that we can't serve the God, if we can't serve God. So what is he gonna do with that broken heart? He's gonna turn it from a double heart 
and he's going to make it single. To do what? To glorify and serve him. Then he says to preach deliverance to the captives. Many of us are bound by the lust and the cares of this life. What is he planning to do? Break those bands, set the people free that they may follow him. You see what the anointing does? And recovering of sight to the blind. We don't know it, but if we don't see this world the way that Jesus Christ sees it, we are blind, we are bound. We are looking at it from a man's perspective and not the perspective of the Lord. Jesus says, as I walk, so you are to be. I don't know where people can look at that and say, I don't believe that. It's written right in Matthew 10. It's written in 1 John chapter two, that as we are to walk as Jesus walked. Now we know that most of us are not doing that. So this is what we do. We draw close to God if we wanna be set free. We spend time in his word. We give him the time that we like to give things that entertain the flesh and he will place that anointing on your life and he will break every yoke. I promise you, you will not desire the things of the flesh when you have come one-to-one with Christ in spirit. So he says, you know, recovering of sight to the blind. Paul says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world did what? Blind the minds of them that believe not, unless the glorious light of the gospel should shine unto them. And it says to set at liberty them that are bruised. Like I said, a lot of us men are hurting, going through stuff, but we've got to learn to give it to Christ and he'll take care of your needs. If you spend time with your creator, I promise you, he will build you up the way that you were meant to build. Be built. If he was your creator, then he knows what's wrong with you. He made you. But we've got to trust him. Lord, you know how to work with this vessel. And we also got to confess what it is that we're dealing with. Lord, I know what I heard tonight was the truth, but I don't have it. That's what God loves to hear. That's why he says, seek, ask, and knock, and it shall be done unto you. You've got to seek him. You've got to knock and ask. Okay, so that's what the anointing does. It breaks every yoke of the enemy. Matthew 17. These are all going to be quick verses here. Matthew 17. Thank you, Jesus. That's why you can go into church feeling one way, guys. If you ever felt down and beat down and you don't feel like doing things, you go to church, you hear a good message, you see how you come out feeling clean? Because the gospel is breaking the yoke of the enemy. That's what makes the difference. You you get bogged down by the world in the week and, oh, man, this is too much. Then you go and hear the word. You might hear some praise and worship. Pastor speaks. When you leave, you feel clean because that's what the devil's, the God is doing. He's cutting the bands off of the devil that he puts on you from being on you. You don't realize when we go through everyday life how we get bound and chained up, you know? So Matthew 17, look at verse 14. He says, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. That means he's a you know, he's moonstruck or he's an epileptic. 
and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and off into the water. Now, you know that this spirit was trying to kill this man because, you know, there are people that have epilepsy. I know that have been delivered and found Christ that the, even though their brain patterns still read that they're epileptic, they don't have the attacks anymore. But he's making clear here that oftentimes he falls into the fire and into the water. I've been praying about this scripture because I feel like in many ways, we may not be epileptic, but we certainly act like it sometimes. Isn't it funny how we can go into one atmosphere and say, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. And you get into all the religious talk and then leave there. Two minutes later, you're in the world talking like the world. What are you, schizophrenic? Like, what is it? But you see, that's the, the play acting mind. One minute, yes, I want to tell you, thank you in the name of Lord and Lord Jesus Christ. And then you get out there, man, later for that. I got other stuff that I need to deal with. So I believe that this, this, this person that is going through what he's going through, he's being thrown and tossed. Things are happening to him, okay? Look at verse 16. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. So Jesus wasn't saying that to encourage the disciples. Jesus did, he was telling them that because he says, you guys are faithless. You guys should be able to do this. He was expecting them to do it, but he says they're faithless and they're perverse. Were you going there or you were going to something else, Sarah? All right, let me go there real quick. I want you guys to see the definition of this. This is so important. We've talked about it before, but this will bring some understanding. It's Matthew 17 and what, verse 16? 17 and 17. He called them faithless and perverse. The word for faithless is G571. And that word means unfaithful, faithless, not to be trusted, perfidious, incredible. And then it says, like not credible. And it says, um, of things, unbelieving, uncredulous, without trust in God. So he called them faithless. Yeah, Christina. I just reminded me of the scripture you read earlier, and I can't remember where it was from about cheating spiritually on um, like an unfaithful wife. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, that's uh, Jeremiah 3. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, that's a great point. So you see the faithless there? Now here's the perverse. That's G. One, two, nine, four. To distort, that means to change or to turn aside, to oppose, plot against the saving purposes and plans of God. You see, this is how we can plot without even recognizing it. This is why the Lord wants to make us whole. Because there are many times the Lord could say, I want you to speak to that person. And you look at your time, hey man, I'm gonna be at work at eight o'clock. Hopefully he's there when I come back. What did you just do? You distorted, you turned aside, you went against the saving purposes of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Yes, sir. What I was thinking about was the spiritual epilepsy that we can have. Is in Ephesians four fourteen it says that we henceforth be no more as mm -hmm. no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with everyone the doctor. Amen. That's what I was thinking of that scripture too when I was thinking of tossed. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we've got to get rooted and grounded in Christ. So he says, how long will I suffer you? Bring the boy to me. Look at verse 18. 
And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Now, these are his disciples, and this is Matthew 17. He didn't just meet them. They've been walking with him now for a couple of years. So he says, um, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, that if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. A lot of people would think, man, the Lord is joking. He's not joking. That's what the movies like The Matrix and all that was trying to tell you. That's what that story was telling you. We live in a matrix. It's a computer generated dream world that's not even real. At the end of it all lies the hand of the devil to keep you from Christ. But you notice for all them that were set free, when Neo was set free, he was able to manipulate and move the matrix as he saw fit. Why? Because he was connected to something else. I'm not gonna say God, but that's the example they were trying to give that if you give it to Christ and you're not bound by the world, you can do this. But what's happening with us? We got other things that we love. Look at verse 21. How be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So it's gonna take some forsaken of the flesh. It's gonna take some time in your prayer closet to draw close to God. The Bible says, if you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. And this is how you grow stronger in spirit, weaker in the flesh, and you can do the works of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to um, uh, Matthew 11. These are all be quick examples, and then I'm gonna close. Matthew, uh, Luke 11. No, Matthew 11. <laughs> Sorry. I know, right? You never know. Okay, Matthew 11, let's look at um, verse 23. Matthew 11 and 23, and thou Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. But if the mighty works which have been uh, done in thee uh, had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. You know, so he's speaking to those unbelievers. He says, and at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. So you see, those who are wise and prudent are those who rely on the wisdom of men. You think with your little philosophy and things that you learn in higher learning that it means something to God. But he says, man, he hid the secrets from them. He's giving it unto babes, those who are emptied out, those who are seeking God. Verse 26, even though, Father, even so, Father, but so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth um, a son but the Father neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So Jesus wants you to draw close, look at verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So you see, when a man gets into the spirit with God, 
he ceases from his own works. He relies upon God and God's, you know, look at what it says next. God will give you rest, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A lot of people believe if you forsake the world, you're just gonna run around as some aimless sheep. Uh-uh, you're gonna get a yoke, but it's gonna be the yoke of God, okay? You're gonna obey him and follow him and you're gonna find it easy when you're not relying on self and you're giving everything to Christ. But when you forsake your, your prayer closet, you try and take it on yourself. You get in your prayer closet, spend time with the Lord, trust in him, get to know him, and God will take care of everything for you. You will hold your peace and you will speak the words of Christ because it won't be you speaking, it will be Christ. All right, one quick thing, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 6. And if you can, guys, get John 16 and I'm done. These are gonna be quick verses. 2 Corinthians 6, we're going to um, build on what Martin mentioned tonight, because this is so true. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 6, look at verse 14. This is how the devil tries to bind us, but we got to be wiser than him because we've got God's word. He says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion have light with darkness? Mm -hmm. So I want to bring up a point here because when he says, don't be unequally yoked together, we don't realize that unbelievers kill us. Even if they're not telling you personally, I don't want you talking about Jesus, just being in the midst with them and doing what they do it really does hinder your walk and it stunts your growth. Now, this scripture can tell us not to be with unbelievers and you'll recognize I need to walk with God and do the things that God says, you know, and stay away from those who are unbelievers unless you're preaching the gospel to them. But as you grow and you get closer to the Lord, you will even begin to see where more darkness is. Because, you know, right away, we look at things with people, we look at things, but God will show you what's inside of you. God will show you how you compromise before him in the world. God will show you things because he wants to separate you, not just in body, but in soul and spirit. All right, look at verse 15. Oh, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? That's another name for the devil or the worthless. And it says, or what part hath he with, with a believer with an infidel? That's an unbeliever or what you would consider a dog. Okay, verse 16, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? But ye are the temple of the living God, and God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. So he didn't say he would just dwell with you, did you? Did he? He said he will walk where? Not beside them, huh? In them. So you've got to allow God to clean out this temple that his presence can be there alone. And if that happens, he says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. So God will receive us when we break the yoke. 
Now, some people could say, well, I've got yoke, so does it mean I haven't given my life to the Lord? No, you can believe in God and God can accept you at that level. But what God wants for us is ever-increasing faith, ever-increasing relationship. God wants to grow with you. So God will receive you if you give your life to him, but don't think that the Holy Ghost is just gonna get in there, take up residence and say, let's move. You say, whoa, man, this place is dirty. I've got to change everything in this house so that it can house the new one, okay? So God will receive you, but we've got to go through the process of sanctification and to truly be a son and to truly be a daughter. We've got to be led by God's spirit and not by anything else. That who you yield yourself to, your members to, you become the servants thereof. That's Romans chapter six, verse 18. And I will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So you see, God accepts us and he works with us and he loves us. But to truly be a son and daughter, you got to be led by the spirit. The devil cannot take up residence in you and use you. Yeah, Christina. Uh, would you say in contrast that being yoked um, to God or Christ would be a positive thing, though, like using this verse, like righteousness is righteousness and having uh, being yoked to him? Like, because when you become like, saved, it's like you have to serve him. Like, you don't. Like, you constantly are getting chased mm -hmm. and corrected. Mm -hmm. And that's still, I mean, by choice, you're choosing to serve him, but you're still kind of yoked or bond to him. Exactly. You, you're with him, but he can't do everything he needs to do with us. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, he tells us that if we flee youthful lust and the idols, then we can be used, or, or, or what does it say? Thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Because God does some good works in us now, but God wants you to be thoroughly furnished unto every every good work. Wherever he wants to send you, it won't be an issue because there'll be no resistance of the spirit of God in you. What he commands you to do, you will do. Is that what you're talking about? Or yeah, what? and I'm, I'm just trying to put it in um, like an opposite way of thinking of, you know, Satan can bond you into things and yoke mm -hmm. you into things that are unrighteous, evil, and dark, but also being um, yoked to Christ. Because like this scripture, when I see that, unequally yoked, like do not be unequally yoked. Mm -hmm. Well, does that mean it's positive or a good thing in the sight of the Lord to be equally yoked with people of Christ? Like let's say like, the marriage with or Christ. covenant with yeah. Christ, with covenant in marriage. I mm -hmm. think of this scripture also is used a lot in uh, you know marriages and finding mm -hmm. yourself mm -hmm. someone That's a great point because don't think for one minute the devil wouldn't wouldn't try and marry you off. Because the devil knows that places that places another yoke on you. That's what we must know. Everything that God gives, and I'm fortunate that there are people within the ministry that everybody from what I've seen looks like God is putting husband and wife together and they work for the Lord. They believe in God together. That's a blessing. You guys don't know how fortunate you are because today everybody's just getting married and getting yoked but they could be yoked to the devil. And then you're wondering why your wife hates Jesus Christ or your husband gets mad every time you put on the Bible because they're not, you know, I mean, they can be saved, but I'm saying when you wait for God to give you who you're supposed to have, God, it will flow with God. Why would he put more of a burden on you than you can bear? You know what I'm saying? That's not the God we serve. It's just not even for 
our pleasure is for his pleasure. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not going to put two people together that are constantly want to beat each other up. Mm -hmm. I mean, how does that please the Lord when that happens? That's right. Amen. You know, and that's the thing, too. We can't even allow ourselves because we didn't get time tonight. So in your spare time, read um, Galatians 5 and Acts 15. That makes clear that the old Mosaic law was a yoke of bondage. It made it very clear that they couldn't bear that yoke. Guys, don't ever let anybody push you back up under the old Mosaic law. Because if you go up under that law, you go up under a curse. The Bible makes that clear. If you keep one of the old Mosaic laws and you don't follow the spirit of God, then you will be in debt to keep the whole law and you will be judged according to the law because the Bible says that you are fallen from grace. People trying to push you back up under keeping the Sabbath day, they don't even keep the Sabbath day today is what they don't understand. You've got to do, you know, sacrifices the day before Everything has got to be prepared. You can't keep the old Mosaic law today unless you own a farm where you can continue to do sacrifices and do what you do. Are you hey, Holly. Like, you know, the Jewish people of the Torah, they don't want to give it to Christ. Right. And yeah. He was Seventh-day Seventh day Adventist, Hebrew Israelite movement. Um, uh, what do you call it? Jehovah Witnesses. They all believe that somehow that they're serving God, but they don't even know the Lord. You see, when you know Christ, first of all, you're not gonna be up under any denomination because there's no denominations in the Bible anyway. And you're gonna know that God calls you to be close. But those, those religions like Catholicism, Mormonism and all that, they don't allow you to draw close to Christ because they're always saying things contrary to what God says. You know, you wanna draw close to Jesus, they put a yoke around your neck named Mary. You want to do whatever the Lord says. You've got the Watchtower Track Society telling you something else contrary to the word. So these people try and bind you to things that are not of God. So you see, they'll tell you Mary is the mother of Jesus, and this is who we're supposed to worship. When my Bible tells me to worship Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Yes. So you see, they're always trying to bind you. The Hebrew Israelite movement, they're trying to prove that blacks were the real Jews. Man, that's bondage. Whether it's true or not, who cares? Do you know Jesus Christ? Because you'll find most of those people have a nasty personality. They hate white people. And they believe that blacks are the only ones that are to be saved. They're pushing things that Jesus Christ never said. Jesus said he would bring up two nations under one blood, that he would have sheep that were not of that fold, that they would all become one in Christ. So if you're looking at your black skin, that's a yoke of bondage. That's a, a yoke that the devil puts around you because you can't see past your color. They hate me for this. I mean, you see sometimes the messages I get, the things they say to me, so what? You know, the bottom line is whom the son who is Jesus Christ is set free is free indeed. You're not bond to the flesh or anything else. So um, last uh, couple of verses of the night, John 16. John 16, and I want to look at uh, two separate places. John 16, he says, well, let's look at verse six, John 16 and six, and it says, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you 
that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, look at this, guys. When the Holy Ghost is come, he will reprove the world of sin. So he's not gonna let your sin skip by. He's gonna let you know everything that's got you yoked so that you can be set free. And then he says, and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my father and, and ye see me no more, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So Satan is the prince of this world. He's already judged, but what he wants for you and I is a yoke about our necks that we may join him in the lake of fire. And if we be of Christ, that will not happen. Skip to verse 30 or verse 28. This is the end. It says, I came forth from the father and am come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb? Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. Uh, by, by this we believe that thou camest forth from God. So we've got to get to that place of believing Jesus knows all things. Spend time with him. Then he says in verse 31, Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and now is come, or is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. So even though they were walking with Jesus and they said, man, we believe, Jesus said, do you really think you believe? He's watching them with yokes around their necks, walking with him, because they've got his light yoke but they haven't yet had Christ in them. That Jesus was walking with them, guiding them and teaching them, but he wasn't yet on the inside. And unless Christ is on the inside, we still got a yoke about our necks. Look at verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So when Jesus had overcome the world, he truly overcame the world, overcame the flesh and overcame the devil. If we won't allow Christ to break us free in such a way that we will be subject to our enemies. And this is what the devil is banking on. Put your trust in Christ. Let him guide you and guide your steps. If you're in the workplace under the yoke, give God time and God will make it known to you what he wants you to do while you're there. When we grow and mature with him, he'll set you free and put you someplace else, but he will take care of you and your families because that is the faithful God that we serve. So I just wanna tell people with that message, I love you, give your life to Christ while there is still time, okay? Because if you know you're not saved, you can get saved today. Give your life to Jesus, forsake your sins, Call out to him to draw close to him. Believe that he died in your death. I mean, he died for your sins and that he was raised the third day. And believe that he can, if we confess our sins, that he would set us free. Get baptized, get into his spirit. Ask for the spirit of God to come over you. 
and walk with Christ because his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but we've got to trust him. So Sarah's gonna present something real quick and then we're gonna close in prayer. Sorry to hold you guys so late, but there was a lot to bring forward. All right, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 13. Let's start reading. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief on the truth. So the Lord wants us all to be saved, but it is a choice for us. You know, it's a choice for us through the sanctification. So it's like just like what, we, what was being talked about tonight is that if we're truly going to be saved, it's not just some simple prayer that we pray and think, oh, everything's great and, you know, good. It's actually an action that we take forth. You know, we put off the old man, put on the new man in Christ Jesus and walk in him. That's truly what the salvation is. And then telling others. Verse 14, whereunto he called you by the, our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught whether by word or by or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which have loved us, have given us everlasting um, consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So really what I wanted to bring forth through this is that the Lord has put a calling on each and every one of us. and. It's up to us to obey what that calling is. And many times it can seem out of the norm of what we're used to. It, it, it will bring us out of our comfortability. It'll bring us out of the places that we live, even out of the towns or in the towns that we live. But it's not always going to be a comfortable situation for us to be in. But we have to seek the Lord and say, Lord, I'm unsure. I need to hear from you to make sure this is what you want me to do. Because a lot of times it's going to be a very shocking, it may be a shocking situation. Our Debbie Schoenbach talked about that when the, the Lord called him to be a preacher. But instead of running from the Lord and being scared of it, hearing the lies from the devil, let's run to the Lord and say, Lord, if this is your calling upon me, give me the strength and the endurance to do it. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> All right. So I guess we can pray out. Any volunteers for prayer? Anybody we need to pray for? Me. All right. No, we're um, for you. Yeah, I'm just going on my volleyball trip this weekend, and it's in Vegas. Mm -hmm. I know there's last time I went was like three years ago. Um, mm -hmm. My first time to study, and I know there's a lot of confusion there. And just so I just I'm going traveling alone, but just pray for safety and pray um, just. To be able to be strong in the Lord uh, through this. Mm -hmm. oh, absolutely. That's an honest prayer. Um, prayer for my nephew, AJ. Because mm -hmm. he wants to go back to the Amazon. So he's short on funds at the moment, but you know, if the Lord, if that's his will, then he'll, he'll provide. So just pray for him. All right. Sounds good. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God. Lord, we thank you for our brothers and sisters that you've been able to be able to make it today. And we pray, Lord, that you feed them spiritually. We pray, Lord, that you give them everything that they'll need, that we must understand that serving you is a glorious thing. And Lord, we, we ask that you remove every yoke from the enemy, that you bind him, that you set your people free. For you, you never meant for us to have to struggle with things and go through things, but let us lay every weight on you, Lord, for you carried that burden and you are the strength. You are everything that we need. So I pray for my brother and sister tonight, Eric and Holly, Lord, you know what they stand in need of. You know what's in their life. You know what's going on. I pray, Lord, be it financial, be it health, be it anything in Jesus' name, that you break that band of the wicked one, that you may release unto them everything that they need. I pray for my brother Martin, Lord, you know what he stands in need of. And I pray for an anointing upon his life, Lord. I pray that any issue that is troubling his heart in Jesus' name, let you bind and break the devil's yoke and set him free. I pray for my sister Sarah, Lord, and everything that she's going through that you know about, Lord. I pray that you put a peace around her. I pray that you break the bands of the wicked. If there's anything that's capping her off, in Jesus' name, set her free. I pray for my sister tonight, Nina, Lord. You know what's in her heart, and you know what's on her mind. I pray that you build her up in areas that she might be weak. I pray that if she has a hunger and thirst and righteousness, to follow you and grow closer, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that you break the bands of the wicked that she might draw close to you. I pray for our sister Christina, who's about to take a trip, Lord, and go somewhere in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that every snare, every, every landmine, every trap that the devil has against her, I pray in Jesus' name that no bands go around her yes. neck and that you may set her free from the ones that yes. the devil is trying to bind her. For you said whom the son is set free is free indeed. Yes. And I pray, Lord, for my sister Anna with everything in her life, you know what she stands in need of and what she desires. I pray in Jesus' name that you break the yoke of the enemy wherever he's got confusion upon her, wherever he's trying to do to try and hinder her. I pray that we all become fruitful, that we all burst forth, that we all become full of your spirit, that we may all do what you say. And I pray, Lord, for Sarah's nephew tonight, Lord, as he goes to travel in the Amazon, we pray that you guide him and protect him, for he is a willing vessel. So we pray that you add unto that cup to where he flows in the spirit. And we just thank you, Lord. Thank you this day for you are good and all that you continue to do that we are not worthy, Lord, but we just thank you for your redemption. So we pray and we ask that every yoke be broken tonight, that every eye, that every ear, that every heart may be open to receive you, that all these things be done for your glory and honor alone. In Jesus' mighty, holy, and precious name we pray, amen. Thank you, Lord. So that's going to be it for tonight, guys. Until next week, I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. And until next time, have a good night. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.